This is The Good Stuff. Let's get to know those who are doing the good stuff in our community. We'll chat with everyone from small business owners to local officials. Join us as we go around town to find the hidden gems. This is your host, Andy Tomlinson. Welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. Well, welcome to the Good Stuff Podcast. I'm excited today. I have Bill Hirsch from the Atwood House Bed and Breakfast here in Chillicothe. Uh, Bill has been back in Chillicothe for, uh, tell me. 20 years. I came back in 02. It's been 20 years? Unbelievable. Almost. Holy cow. So you came back the same time I came here? Just a little after. Okay. You were living in the apartment when I came. And I remember cold calling you. And I said, uh, can I talk, can I speak to Mr. Atwood? (laughs) And I had no idea, you know. Who who owned it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and and that takes me to a question: uh, How did the Atwood House get its name? This is only a thirty-minute podcast. It, correct? Well, well, it can be. Lo- as- this is a log story. Um, when I bought the house, I, I was here one Memorial Weekend. Yeah. I bought the house, and I didn't know anything about it. And there was a gentleman at church, John Grab, who did a lot of historical stuff. Absolutely. And he and Admiral Day, who lived in the house before the Dicks did, it was the it was Donald Dick's father in law. They did a walking tour of Chillicothe and they sent me a copy of it done in nineteen fifty. And that and my house was called the Atwood House. Huh. He said that Jacob Atwood had built the house. In the, they got the years and everything right. So I decided to name it the Atwood House. And I, I don't know, I was open uh, six months or a year, and I went over to the museum and talked to... Uh, oh, the, the lady that... The, lady, the really nice lady yeah, that... Um, knows everything about it. And writes all the books yeah. about it. And she said... Um, but I had my, my pamphlets with me, and, and, all, and I walked in the door, and she says... First thing out of her mouth, I've been meaning to ask you why you call that the Atwood House. And I told her because it was in the brochure and she kind of puts her hand on her head, forehead, and she says, oh, that man, she <laughs> says. Uh, he, he, all, he gave the museum a desk that was, that was used by Governor Tiffin. Yeah. And we always kept it right at the front door and we were very proud of it until a furniture man came along. And said there was no way that that desk was here on this planet when Tiffin was alive. <laughs> so he like he'd get a little something in his head, sort of the way I do, I guess, and then believe it was true. And we're talking about Grab, right? We're talking about no. This was uh, Admiral Day okay. who was at the house, but Grab and him uh, wrote this walking tour, and they called the uh, the house was the Atwood House. And later I found out because she said it was impossible that he was building another house at the same time. Uh, he's the one that built the house that the Barringtons have on the corner of Fifth. Oh, yeah. That's the Atwood Wilson house. And then I think he built the one where Spetnackle had his office on the corner of Caldwell and Fifth. Yeah. And that's the way they did. They went from my house, which had no air conditioning, heating. Well, for heaven's sakes, it had no bathrooms, no heat. And no uh, no electricity or gas. So then they went to a, they'd build a newer house that had bathrooms in the Victorian era, but mine's Greek Revival. 
But anyway, she said that uh, a man by the name of Mac MacPherson, Mac MacLanberg rather, built the house that I lived in. He uh, had a mercantile on the corner of Water and Paint Street when the canal was there, because Water Street, of course, is, is where the canal was. It was just covered over with concrete and called Water Street. Sure. But the canal supposedly is still under there. And um, he had the house until about um, 1867. And then I don't know if that's about the time the canals went out. I think it is. And so then he sold the house to the Fullertons, who came from Pennsylvania. They brought the mantle, which I thought was very strange, with them. I'm sure they brought their furniture, but they also brought the mantle uh, from their home. And so it's the one in my parlor, and it's older than the house. Oh, wow. The mantle's like the ones at Adina. Okay. And then it has a fender around that's brass and, and metal that is also the same period. So it's from the 1700s. Beautiful. But, but anyway. It was never built by Atwood. Atwood never lived there. I do have windows. I had three of them. Now there's just one left because I, I had to replace some of the glass. But someone with a diamond ring had written Jacob Atwood in the window. So evidently that's how he got the idea. Of and, uh, why the name is Atwood. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. That's amazing. I had no idea. And I, but anyway, it was a long story and certainly not worth it. Well, but it was. am I the only one that ever called and said, is Mr. Atwood in? No, okay. Several people do, <laughs> and, and luckily you said yes. Uh, You're very <laughs> polite about it. Um, so, so going back, I guess to that house, uh, you you bought it, and it was probably in disrepair. It was in horrible condition. Uh, yeah. The floors were gone and parts of it, and, uh, and I think it had three bathrooms. Now I have seven. Wow! So it's changed a lot, uh, but it's uh, it came. I was very very lucky. It came back nicely. It's beautiful. Um, they did work and they, they made some ugly changes, but they didn't do them well. So the drop ceilings were the biggest problem and lots of uh, holes. But when they put up walls and they put up the drops, they didn't tear out the windows. Wow. Which was very good. And so I was able just to take out the, the drop ceilings and the walls and everything was okay. Wow. How long did it take you to re, uh, remodel, renovate? I thought a horrible amount of time. I thought I should be done in a few months, but it took me nine months. I know they were working on houses for over years that didn't do nearly the amount of work, but it took uh, nine months, and they did a nice job. Nine months. Uh, the trouble with the house is the people who owned it were very wealthy. So whenever anything came into fashion or was invented, they installed it immediately which was good for them, but by 2002, when I bought it, it had gas from 67, 1867. It had electricity from 19, uh, 1898 about, or a little bit later. It had plumbing from that era, so everything was done originally and never touched afterwards. Wow. So everything had to be replaced. Ripped out, new, everything. Everything new. Every, all new gas lines, water lines. Uh, water still had some lead lines. Um, air conditioning was never in the house. People used to say you didn't need air conditioning. The house is nice, thick walls and will stay cool. In this humidity, you have to have air conditioning. They said the same thing on my house, yes, too. That, yes, yes. It, it's fine, but yeah, you have to have it. Absolutely. And so I had to put in air conditioning and central heating. It had, uh, 
it had some old radiator units. So I didn't understand it because the radiators weren't the stand up, which are the good ones. Yeah. These were floorboard rate hot air. Okay. I kept those in the first floor and, and changed it all to forced air upstairs. I think uh, nine months is unbelievable. And I mean, I had seven people there every day, but Sunday. Wow. And that's a big crew. Normally you can't do that because the electricians won't come when the yeah. plumbers are there. The floor people won't come when the someone else's painters are there. But they were all working at the same time because the house was so big they could work in the basement on one, the attic at one, the different floors for the floors. And so it worked out okay. Yeah, I think if you did that in uh, today, uh, it would probably be two years. I would think at least. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for uh, reviving a an old house and a, a beautiful gym that you're you're doing now. And uh, uh, you, you've been probably pretty. How did COVID affect you? Uh, I kind of shut down during yeah. COVID at first. I uh, And around Christmas, I started opening again. I, I would only do two rooms at a time. Sure. That way I could serve one at one end of the dining room table and one at the other and keep a distance. Yeah. I didn't want to be running all over the house doing breakfast. And that's what I would have had to done one person in each room almost had I done all four rooms. So I just did two at first. And then after the vac- vaccination, I felt a lot. We all, well, all I know, yeah. have felt better. Yeah. So I opened up all the way, and I've been busier since I opened up than I have in the 18, 20 years that I've been there. So when you started 20 years ago, I think there were, what, five bed and breakfasts? Seven. Seven. I was the seventh that opened. I'm the only one there now. That's crazy. I remember the first year that I opened. I did okay. Not, not a lot of business in the summer. Labor Day came. And I called the computer guys to check my computer because it stopped running. I didn't get any emails, after, but that was it. I didn't have a bit of business from Labor Day until Valentine's Day. Wow. I had a party Valentine's Day, and that was the first business I had in between. It was very slow during that period. Huh. But now it's it's gotten back. It's back, and it's uh, it's. Uh, it, it never was that slow again. I always kind of wonder if my computer goes out on labor day, but it doesn't. It's still working. Uh, how many rooms do you have? I just have four. Uh, just is a lot. Do you do all the everything? Do you do all the linens? and? When people ask, I usually say yes. But of sure. course I don't. Uh, I send my linens to the laundry. Yeah. I like a an iron sheet, an yeah. iron pillowcase. I think it makes a difference. And I buy good sheets. Sure. I buy Pottery Barn or I buy a, a nice grade linen. I have a maid that comes twice a week, a, a cleaning lady. I have people that work in the yard. Thank have, goodness. Cause it's, that's I, a, I can't do it all myself. No, not anymore. Um, and you, you always have uh, wonderful breakfasts in the morning. Uh, what's a, a normal menu for you? It actually depends on the people. Um, if they've never been there before and they're there for two days, you can always trust French toast. Everybody likes that. Yeah. So I do a smoked sausage that I cook for like an hour, and it's it's it has a nice little flavor with it, and I think that's good with French toast. I always start with a fruit cup and juice, and I have bananas, uh, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries, and I grow fresh mint, and I put that in it with heavy cream and confectioner sugar. Mm. Uh, you can't have it every day, but occasionally if you come to the B&B, it's good to have. If you've never had uh, Bill's uh, cooking, uh, you're missing out. <laughs> uh, even if you live in town and you want to spend some time and, and kind of experience downtown and, and live uh, kind of in an old house, uh, there's nothing better than going to the Atwood house and checking it out. Um, do you still do parties? 
I do smaller parties. Yeah. I, I, I try. I don't do sit downs. I, I know I did your uh, rehearsal dinner. dinner yeah. I think we had 50 or 60 people for that. And I, I probably had to fight you for it because you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I stuck my mom it on it. It was your mom. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I was still doing them then. Yeah. I, I just have stopped doing sit downs. It's just too much work. Yeah. Uh, I can't get the staff. I mean, I could never get the staff because I only use people like once a month or twice a month. Sure. It's very hard to keep. A, and especially keep, right now, it'd be very exactly. Hard. Uh, I do smaller dinner parties uh, under twelve, and okay. I do uh, I do baby showers, things I can buffet. Sure. And I do what I call a heavy hors d'oeuvre. And that, that I will still do for about 50. And it's just putting the food on the table and I, I slice the beef. And yeah. it's a nice, um, I, you've probably been to one of those. I, I do, uh, oh, shrimp and smoked salmon and all pickup food. So yeah. it makes it easy. That's wonderful. Um, so the people that, that actually come into uh, the bed and breakfast, are they, where, are they, where are they coming to Chilkali for? Or do you even ask or? I usually ask. Yeah. But, um, I get a lot of people coming to visit family. Okay. They move away. I used When I first opened, I got an awful lot of people visiting their family in the nursing homes. Oh. And they were people that had come from Jellicothe, and they were used to living in Jellicothe in their homes. And coming back and visit their parents in the nursing home, it's really awful when you're staying at a hotel. Yeah. And Sterile. coming and staying with me. And coming back twice a year, they got used to the place and it was like staying at home. Yeah. And I think they enjoyed that a lot. And so I, I got used to get a lot of those. Now I get people coming in for business or just to Chillicothe uh, attracts people anymore. It does. Uh, there's people coming for the mounds. People are coming for Tecumseh right now in the summertime. They come to Tecumseh. Yeah. Pe of course, people come to Adena. And I tell them all these these things when they're here if they don't know about them because they're they're well worth seeing. Yeah, you're you're like the ambassador, aren't you? <laughs> I I do tell people. Yeah, I and I I tell them things I like to do and things that are a little bit different. I like to send people up to Grandview Cemetery. I think that's an attraction we have that people don't even think of. I I was there this morning. Okay. Ah, uh, lovely. Yeah. Um, Colonel Sill, who's a, there's a Sill Air Force. Um, Army base in in Oklahoma or Kansas, he's he's buried up there. Revolutionary War soldier. There's a lot of Revolutionary War soldiers yeah. up there. We we didn't have any battles around here, but because the the land grants and they gave them land to pay for their their work, then they all settled around here. Um, that brings me to what what you do, what did you do before you came to Chilcali? Uh, I went to Athens. Um, you were born and raised in I Chilcot was raised yeah. here, and then I went to Athens to school for business. Yeah. Thinking I would use, actually, Dad insisted I, I go for business. I wanted to be an undertaker. Uh, and he said, well, he said you could, but he, he tried to talk me out of it. He says, well, I'm not paying for that until you go to, go to business school. So I went to business school. And I never actually used anything. I, I, I was never very good at it. I'm still not a very good accountant. But uh, you got when I graduated, it. I was, it was during the Vietnam era. And when I graduated, I was high on the, on the lottery. Yeah. So I, they would, I would have been immediately drafted after because I got a, it's not called a dispensation, but whatever it's called, when, uh, a, refer, uh, a deferment 
when you're in the in college. Sure. So I got that. But as soon as I graduated, I would have been drafted. So I joined the Navy. And I uh, ended up going to Camp David as a butler or a steward for, for President Nixon. He was Unbelievable. There. What was that like? That was probably the best time in my life. Yeah. Uh, mother, when I came home, always said I was, I, you, she couldn't live with me before. She said, now that you've been there for four years, no one's going to be able to live with you. <laughs> and that's probably true. Um, you learn a lot. Did, did you meet or did you talk to Nixon? Did you? Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I'm fairly good at that. I, I can certainly, you know, but without talking. I mean, if they talk, I'll, I'll answer them and talk back. But sure. I'm not a, I don't bother them. Yeah, um, I think that's why I've always been good at what I do. Um, uh, did you did you develop a friendship with him, or was it more off? It was more work. Yeah, um, I, I sort of had a friendship with Mrs. Okay, and with Julie and David, and it was uh, they were very nice to me. I enjoyed enjoyed yeah. working for them. I heard a story just recently about Nixon where he would he randomly picks up celebrities or, or you know people in the know. Uh, and and takes them around and, and talks, uh, just kind of picks their mind and kind of interesting. I thought uh, he was very very smart. Yeah, I hadn't been up there very long, and Mrs. Nixon get, got up along before he did, and would have breakfast, and I would serve. And when I first was up there, she'd ask me questions where I went to school, where I was from, and I thought, well, that was nice. She was interested. But I never thought, you know, you'd remember anything like that. Well, it must have been a couple of months later, I was serving a party. And there was a Milton Eisenhower, who was the president's, Eisenhower's brother. And he was in the economics department at High University. And I was serving drinks, and he calls me over, the president does. He says, do you know this gentleman? He points at Eisenhower, and I said, no, sir. And he, and he points at me, and he says, do you know him? And, and Milton said, no. And he said, well, th you ought to know each other. You have a lot in common. He said, and he introduced me and said that I'd gone to high university, and he was in the economics department, I think, at the time at a high university, or he had done lectures yeah. or something. And he brought up two or three different things that I had told Mrs. Nixon a couple months earlier. But the fact that she would tell him, I thought was amazing. But the fact that it was much on his mind that he could remember that yeah. to use it when he needed it was unbelievable. Because I think I heard there was some friction between the two of them. But as a as a conversation opener, he wanted to, wanted to have something to talk about. That's amazing, actually. To think uh, about that's it. a politician. Yeah, that's you're you're right. And they they know they can they remember facts, and he was very very smart about things. Yeah. And I know I watched the Stone movie about him. And that was the first one. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I remember I hadn't been away from that long, and I had trouble watching that. Because you didn't feel like it was... I, 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 I just had trouble. Yeah. I, I just, I wasn't saying it wasn't true. I wasn't saying anything. But I just had trouble watching it. Yeah. Um, and I used to make uh, a little bit, I'd try to uh, compensate for what happened and think how... It, it, but I remember when I was serving coffee to him, he had a... We had a buzzer system, the old type buzzer systems on the wall. Yeah. And he would had a little code that he would buzz it like twice if he won coffee. So I'd make coffee and I'd take it in and, and usually knock on the, his den door, open it up, set down the coffee, close the door and go back to the kitchen. 
And sometimes, often, more often than you would think, he would buzz again and say, and I'd open the door and say, yes, sir. And he'd say, Bill, did you forget my coffee? I, I'd just pick up the cup and go back and get him another cup. But he was concentrating on what he was doing yeah. to such an extent that things around him. And I always say, well, that's all it was. People got in and did things and he didn't know. I don't believe that no. now. But uh, at the time, I, there was a, a wonderful movie I watched. Um, I think it was called Remains of the Day or it was an English film. And Anthony Hopkins was a butler. And I don't remember who the Lord of the Manor was, but I remember he was a Nazi sympathizer, the Lord of the Manor. Yeah. And uh, the butler had worked for for uh, this gentleman all his life, and his father had worked for the father for all his life, and the grandfather. So that's all they had ever done. They worked for this family, and he had a lot of trouble when they arrested the Lord for the the Nazi sympathizer. And he just couldn't rationalize. And, and I, know of, I felt the, the same, same thing. Yeah. There's it, he was nice to me, and that was a, I remember in New York, I lived there a few years. What'd you do in New York? I was a butler for a, a family. There. Okay. And uh, there was a friend I'd met that uh, invited me for a Christmas Eve dinner. And they do the, the Italians do a, a seven fish, seven course, and they're all fish courses for the night before Christmas. And they have a name for it. I can't, it's something my, which it means fish. But anyway, it's seven fish courses. And um, she was a chef at one of the uh, restaurants downtown. And I went, um, and all the people there were chefs. And this older lady asked me, she had she just been writing, reading a book about Nixon. And they were asking questions. And I said he was, I couldn't really say that, you know, uh, he, I, he was just nice to me. And I was grateful for that. Yeah. And she says, I was reading a book about uh, Hitler. And uh, it says that he was always nice to the servants. <laughs> that's just... That's totally it, different. It, it, well, is it? I uh, don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe. But it was, a, it was a, 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 a throb to the heart, yes. I'm sure. Uh, so what was Camp David like? Beautiful, just gorgeous, or... I, I it was very charming. It, yeah. it, I liked it a lot, but then I like I like things that aren't aren't new. Sure. Um, it was a Girl Scout camp, hmm. uh, and during Roosevelt era, he needed a place to get away from the city that'd be bomb proof, and they had a little uh, shelter below it that would be safe from bombs. And um, he had the Seabees, where the Navy Seabees they came in. Because they tried to keep it pretty much hidden and secret. So they came in and restored the Girl Scout cabins. So there were only two places you could eat at camp. There was there was Aspen, which was the president's house. And he would stay there with the family. And then there was Laurel Lodge that had kitchens. And the rest of the cabins, I think there were about 12 or 13, they would just be bedrooms or maybe the larger ones had two bedrooms and a living room between them. But there wouldn't be any cooking done. Hmm. So all the other cabins would have to go to Laurel Lodge to eat. And then the ones that uh, anybody that the president invited would go to, to Aspen. And I was in charge of that, the cabin at Aspen. So you and, saw a lot of dignitaries. And well, the dignitaries came separately. They, um, I always thought that Nixon maybe didn't travel well. 
because since I've been able to to do some traveling, you go to Europe and you stay up and everything's fine. Yeah. But it doesn't matter when you come back, what time of day or anything else, there's that jet lag. It just is, you can't, it takes you about a day to get over a day and a half. Yeah. And I think he must've noticed that because he talked to any of the heads of state that were coming over to visit with him to fly into Andrews and then take a helicopter up to Camp David for like a day and a half or two days to get acclimated and then come to Washington and meet with him. So whenever they would come up, all the, the top person would stay in Aspen. So I got to know a lot of uh, famous people that way. Huh. That's interesting. The uh, President Pompidou of France was up there. Huh. Um, Brezhnev and Gromyko were there. Uh, Tito was there. Uh, uh, Willie Brandt was there. And these people you probably didn't speak to. You just helped. Well, again, sir, but they would talk to you. Some of them talked, some didn't. Yeah. Uh, I know when Willie Brandt was there, he was chancellor of West Germany. And I was from Chillicothe, and this was 69. And Dad drank maybe Schlitz, but sure. I never, and I, I, I could get 3 2 uh, Blue Ribbon, I think, is what we drank. Uh, when I was in high school and, but I never did, uh, I didn't know a lot of brands and all. And I don't know if anyone around here would have at that time. Now it's common. Uh, Heineken and all the other brands yeah. are, are normal. But at the time I'd never seen things like this. So when he came up to camp, they brought up a couple of six packs of German beer to drink. So I was all ready. I thought I'd put them on a tray and carry them out and he could pick which one he wanted. So the first day I was disappointed because he didn't want any beer. But then the second day for lunch, he wanted a beer. So I got my tray all ready and put all the German beers on it and yeah. took them out. And he looked at him and looked around at him. He said, is this all you've got? He said, don't you just got the domestic? Don't you have any good? Don't you have an imported beer? And uh, so he ended up drinking a uh, Michelob. <laughs> uh, and you think of that when you think of people, you, you, People coming from Germany, they come, uh, you don't want to give them what they're used to there because right. you can't cook it as well as they do. Yeah. You want to give them something typically American. And I think that's what people, when, when I travel, I don't want to, I don't want to eat American food. No. That'll ruin, I mean, that'd be horrible. Right. You want to eat the, the Spanish food or the French food or the Italian and, and try something different. Yeah. And that's and, the way he and, was with the beer. I thought, I've always thought of that. And, and drink something else. and Exactly. Yeah. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, going back to, uh, well, okay, so you left Camp David, then you went to New York. No, actually, from Camp David, um, I was supposed to, there was talk of me staying with the government. At that time, people coming over would visit um, Camp David, the White House, the Blair House, um, the Western White House, which was in San Clemente, and the Southern White House, which was in um, Key Biscayne. And some of the foreign heads of state, they might go to all those places and, and other places. In the yeah. country. Uh, somehow he got the idea that it'd be, because he said, it's the little things that, that wear you out and tire you out when you're traveling. Uh, the big things, the travel, everything is taken care of. But there's something about ordering how you want your drink every time you get one for two weeks is irritating. And that if someone, he, like a foreign head of state would come, I would go with him to, 
at Andrews, meet them there and then stay with them the whole time. So after you know what, they, how they like their coffee, how they like their, their, their alcohol, how they like, it's just easier on them sure. to not have to ask each time and, and explain to people. And I think I was going to travel with the people, the heads of state, as they were here in the States. Well, after Watergate, of course, everything changed. Oh, yeah. Uh, but they were friends at the Marriott, and somehow they got me a job with the Marriott. And I trained there in Twin Bridges in Washington. And then my, uh, they assigned me to uh, a motel or hotel, a Marriott, um, one of the first ones, in Houston. And it was right by the Astrodome. So I, I worked there. I went there for that. And I, I just despised it. I, I don't do well with restaurant work. I like restaurant. I mean, I, I like that kind of work. But it's more, I'm used to more banquet. Sure. Restaurant is a different. And it was a coffee shop. And I really didn't like it. And it was bad hours. And, and Houston's and, hot. And Houston. I, I actually liked Houston. After oh. I quit the Marriott, I stayed in Houston almost 20 years. Wow. And I liked it. Um when I was at the restaurant, I told myself if I just didn't complain, I stayed with it and worked hard, I could be the restaurant manager instead of the assistant. And I thought about that for a little while. And I said, that'd be worse than this. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. But if I could stay and do that, well, then I'd get transferred to banquet manager. And then I thought about that. And that'd be worse than being... A restaurant manager, assistant restaurant manager, that'd be even worse. But if I stayed with that, I could be hotel manager, front desk, and then, and the more I thought about it, the better off I would get, the work, the un, more unhappy I would be because yeah. I wouldn't want to do any of those things. No. So I, I went ahead and quit after about <laughs> six months. And I, I, I enjoyed Houston. I, I sold furniture for a couple of years in a very nice furniture store. So I learned a lot about upholstering and things. I, uh, I worked in frozen food place. I lost quite a bit of weight. I was on Atkins. I lost uh, over a hundred pounds by running in the frozen food. I, I, I tightened up. And so that was, I probably was never in as good a shape as I was then. And I ended up then doing catering and butlering. Uh, I met a, a gentleman that, uh, did uh, high price catering and I worked for him. Okay. And that was really nice work. All you do is probably the best work that I've ever did. Uh, you show up, you're dressed in a tux. All you do is serve drinks for an hour or two or serve the meal, and then you leave. There's no worry. There's no nut, and you get your check. And that was some of the nicest work I ever did. That's a pretty good job. And then, uh, and I was working for the museum also there doing bar and, and things. And I, I used to work for the, the head of the museum was this young couple called the Marzios, and they were head of the, the museum in Houston. And they used to have small dinner parties in their home and their table, their dining room table. I was just amazed. It only held four people, but the only parties they, they did were to get money. So they wanted an intimate, uh, situation. So I'd go over and they'd, they'd cook the food at the, at the museum and I'd just take it over to their house and then prepare it, put it on the plate, serve drinks and whatever. And, uh, she knew that, um, I wanted to, I was looking for, this is, I'd been there about 15 years, 20, yeah. and I was ready for it to go. And I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. I was kind of flipping a coin between San Francisco and New York. I thought wherever I got a job offer. Yeah. And, and after this one night that I was serving to a couple that was a don donations, uh, 
She calls me the next morning, Mrs. Marzio did, and she says, I had the strangest conversation with Mrs. Wolf. I could not figure out what she wanted. She kept, she kept talking round and round, and your name kept coming up. And came out, she, she had lost a, a, a couple of people in New York, and she needed a, needed a, a, a butler and a cook. So she was asking if I was available, but uh, it has come out later that um, you, you, can, you can steal someone's wife in New York social set, and you can still get invited to all the parties. You come with your ex, and, and everyone gets along fine. But if you steal someone's servant in New York in the social set, you'll never get invited to any party in anyone's home again. That's why so she was, she was the very issue. careful yeah. asking Mrs. Marzio, making sure I didn't work for her, making sure it would be okay to, <laughs> to ask me if I could. So I went to New York with them and I stayed with them about 20 years. Wow. And New York City was beautiful and lo you loved it. I love New York. I bought an apartment there. And yeah. when I sold it, I was able to buy the house here. So and, I did well. And what, what brought you back to Chilcali? Well, I, I was here one Memorial weekend. I, and that was My it. house was for sale. And the house was for sale and I bought it. And then I, I had to do something with it. So. Wow. And lots of change in 20 years since you've lived in Chilcali. Yes. Uh, I was telling, I was over at the smokehouse for lunch. I was just telling him that today. I said, they were, when Dane owned the smokehouse, they were closed on Sundays. That was yeah. the only day they closed. And that was the only restaurant I had to recommend people downtown to go to. That's right. I mean, Carl's was there for lunch, but for dinner, that was it. You yeah. either went there or you didn't. Um, and so, and then on Sundays, I didn't even have that. Yeah. Uh, where do you going to send people on Sundays to eat? And it's just, it was difficult. Uh, Los Mariachis I would use. Yeah. Uh, Damon's was around. No, Damon's was barely around at that time. And then the Dakotas. Yeah. But a lot of the places didn't even have alcohol. So to people from out of town that wanted a nice meal, where were you going to send? Yeah. So it's really nice now. There's so many choices you can send people to. And then on Sundays, they can, uh, the smokehouse is still is now open on Sunday. Yeah. So they can go there on Sunday. But there's a place to send them every day of the week, which Thank is goodness. great. Yes. Yeah. I think the Poor House is open. Uh, who else is open? 50 West is open. Yes. I think Carl's is open for a little bit. Now, what do you mean? On Sunday. Oh, on Sundays, yeah. yes. They're all open on Sundays. So they're starting to. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Sundays are a much larger crib. Yeah. Uh, it's Mondays and Tuesdays. We have to, Sunday. Sometimes Mondays and Tuesdays are worse. Right now, but I think the kinks are getting. I hope. Yeah, I, I, hope. I, I, I think they yes, are. Yes, yeah. And, uh, but, uh, you know, you came back about the same time I did. And, at five o'clock, uh, things would just, it would be a ghost town. Yes. And it's, it's nice not to see the ghost town anymore. Mm -hmm. It's nice to yes. see it bustling yes. again. Yes. And, uh, feel like the city's revived in the last 20 years for sure. Exactly. Um, so if someone would want to, uh, come to your bed and breakfast, can they book online or call or, or, or both or? It's both. Okay. Um, I have a website and it's just the atwoodhouse.com. Um, and there is a there is a, a a form on that, but it's more of just to see what rooms they want, and then I call and call them or email them back sure. and say they're available or not, and then they would call for reservation. Makes makes sense. Um, so I uh, normally ask these questions at the beginning, but uh, trying something new the last couple times. Um, what uh, what's your favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And so 
love to hear from you because, I mean, you're Mr. Hospitality. You've been so many places, and, and it doesn't have to be Chillicothe, of course. Uh, I think other people like to travel and, and maybe visit the restaurants or that mm-hmm. you would like. So, My favorite breakfast, uh, a brunch place, is Lindy's in oh, Columbus yeah. in German Village. Yeah, I, They do such a nice job. And in the summer when their patio is open, it's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, for lunch, I, I like all the different places in town here. Sure. I, I, I'm always at one. I almost eat out every day at lunch. I've stopped eating out for dinner as much, but I, I do eat out almost every day at lunch. And if it's not the, it's Wednesday, it'd be at the, uh, at our kitchen. Monday, it's always at the smokehouse, the dock a couple of days in Carl's. Sure. I like to get around. Yeah. Uh, and, and dinner? Dinner again. Uh, I've been eating home at dinner, but in Columbus, I, I love Barcelona's. Oh, yeah. that's. I love G. Michael's. Yeah. I, I love, again, Lindy's. I love Marcella's. I like um, the refractory on, on Bethel. And then for Chinese food, there's a Hunan Lion on Bethel that's wonderful. Hmm. And I like that. And for dinner, there's places. Never, never tried that, so I'll add that Th- to the that's list. That's my best Chinese food around. Um, what book are you reading or what would you like to share? Truthfully, right now, I'm trying to read two that I can't get into. They're both difficult, and they're both about Venice. Oh, yeah. Um, The first one, I I, I love Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Mm -hmm. And the man who wrote that wrote a story similar about Venice. And uh, it starts with the fire of the opera house. And I just, and I, I had no trouble reading the Midnight in the Garden, but I just cannot get started in this one. And the second one is also about Venice. Have you been to Venice? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, and the second one is three women from the United States that were instrumental in, in starting the Guggenheim Museum in an old palace there along the Grand Canal. And uh, one was, of course, Peggy Guggenheim. Um, I don't remember the names of the other two, but they were, they were from the 20s on, and they, they kind of salvaged this, this place, and it kept getting nicer. And, but they talked about these three Americans. And, and the first chapter was good, and then, then I just, if I can't, get sometimes yeah. you force yourself and you, get, you go through it. Right. Sometimes you can never make it through. Yeah. And I, I haven't been able to, so that's what I'm working on right now. Uh, Venice and, and Savannah are a little different, but so that, that might be the reason why you can't get into the first one. Maybe. Yeah. I, I've been to Venice. I've not been to Savannah Oh, you yet. need to go. Um, Josh and Deidre and I are thinking about going down in the uh, in the fall. We were going to go to uh, Cape Cod, but I think we might do. Because Deidre's been, but she's never been to New Orleans. So if, yeah. if I include New Orleans in the group, I think she might try to go with us. Well, when I went, I went, uh, and Meredith and I went down for our anniversary probably three or four years ago. I can't remember. And that was the first time you'd been to Savannah? I'd, I'd went through, but I never really explored uh-huh, it because uh-huh. it was close to Charleston because I lived in Charleston. Yes. Um, but uh, I took food tours. It was pretty neat. So they, they gave you the history of the town. And then, mm-hmm. of course, I like to eat mm-hmm. and try different things. And So maybe try that out. Yeah. If you go. Great. Yes. Yeah. Um, night owl, early riser, or both. Depends on the time. I don't. I, I'm usually in bed by 11. I, 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 that's a night owl for me. So <laughs> <laughs> and I, I used to be never get up before the alarm at yeah. seven thirty, And now I've been, 
I wake up at 6, 6.30, and I guess it's just because I'm getting old. And I made the mistake the last time I went out to the VA. I, I, I do my doctoring at the VA, and I told the doctor that I'd been – she wanted to give me sleep after me and everything. <laughs> I said, no. Just, anyway, I, I have been doing that lately the last few months, and that's irritating. Well – I, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me. Uh, I think everyone that's listened will know that this is Mr. Hospitality. Uh, I mean, you've, you've devoted your whole life to uh, helping people and, and uh, uh, being in the industry. I think it's awesome that you came back to your hometown and, and did this. Um, thank you very much for sitting down with me. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Wasn't too bad, was it? Hey, well, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> well, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.